we're going to have a, a little bit of a test first. You guys know all this. Come on now. This is review, right? Okay, first, um, I'll give you an A, B, C, D one, okay, first? First, prophecy, dealing with biblical prophecy in accordance with Scripture. A, prophecy is optional. B, prophecy is recommended. C, it's expected. Or D, it's highly expected. How many say D? Amen, you're all going to heaven. No, I'm just kidding. Good, amen. Um, where would you find that scripturally? Where would I find that description of the importance of prophecy? 1 Corinthians 14, amen. Okay. Name the five offices given by Jesus in Ephesians 4. Without looking. Come on, she's been studying for six months. Okay, go right here. There you go. So the five offices given by Jesus are listed in Ephesians 4.11. What is the purpose or the job description of the purpose of those four offices? What are they supposed to do? Come on, Desiree. Equip the saints to do what? To do the work of ministry. Okay. So that's in Ephesians, and that's the office, as we spent uh, the first time talking about that one. Um, true or false, are we allowed to covet, which means to possess or eagerly desire? We are. Wow, I, we are? Where is that, that found? What are we supposed to covet? Not your neighbor's wife, right? Amen. That's not allowed. But the gifts, and one of them in particular, prophecy. We find that in 1 Corinthians 14. In fact, let's turn there as a kind of a quick summary. In 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 1, this is, we covered this last week. 1 Corinthians 14, love has to be the highest goal. That's why it's sandwiched between the listing of the nine gifts by the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Then you got the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, kind, never keeps a record of any wrong. Amen? Woohoo! How are we doing on that one? How'd you do today on that one? Ah, Lord. Okay, uh, verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let love be your highest goal, that, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. King James says, follow charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Then he goes on and talks about the higher gifts or the higher order of gifts. He says, if one speaks in an unknown tongue, he speaks not unto men but unto God, for no man understands that, howbeit the Spirit speaks in these mysteries. Then it goes on and says, speak prophecy, because then he can understand in the church. He doesn't say not desire. Remember, he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But look at the last verse of that chapter. In the King James, verse 39 says, 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not with to speak in tongues, but let everything be done in order, or in decently and in order. New Living says, 
So my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, but don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is properly done and in order. So if the the cessationists, and I told you I was in a cessationist church once, I don't know how he ever got past that set of scriptures. You can't exegesis that out. I'm sorry, it's just not. So biblically, the pursuit of the gifts Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, don't be ignorant of this, of these things. I want you to have revelation on it. And then we covered uh, gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, administration that is given by uh, Jesus himself, the, the office gifts, and then operations that's given by the Father. And that's in 1 Corinthians 12. All right. Um, one announcement. Don't come to church here Sunday. Well, we haven't canceled it in rain, but go to the park. Yes. We're going to be in Mehumacray uh, Park at 10 o'clock. Bring a dish to pass, and that's something other than your babe, okay? It means a f- nice big dish of food, something to bring. Um, we are going to have the grills going. We'll be at Pavilion 5 in Humacray Park. It is Life Chain Sunday, so we're going to party together in the park. It's always a fun time. We'll have a great set of worship team there. So if you come in the Humacray Park, you turn to the left. It's right after the paddock. I think that's Pavilion 5. You'll be obvious. You'll hear the, you'll hear the sounds of worship. And then we'll have our grill out, bring a dish to pass. Uh, and then at 2.15, we're going to meet at right across from the college where the Mormon church is. you got Bojangles, the Mormon church, uh, just before you get the Bank of America there. Um, and we'll meet there at 2.15. Terry's going to equip us. And we're going to pray for one hour to see abortion eliminated from our nation. Amen? So come and let's, it's going to be a fun Sunday. And so if you see anybody, tell them, don't go to church here Sunday. Go, I got a little sign on the door, but you know, anyway. Okay. What is the purpose of prophecy? Encourage. Edify, exhort, right? Um, are we to prophesy out of New Testament or Old Testament? Please explain. Both, okay. Um, is the New Testament, is the Old Testament become obsolete? Hmm, interesting. The I want to ex- turn with me to Hebrews. The, I'm giving you some d- trick questions here because I want to stimulate. Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. Turn with me to Hebrews. That's why you know men are in heaven. He's going to be brewing up there, making coffee. All right. Okay, Hebrews. All right, I'm getting there. In um, Hebrews chapter 8, let's look in King James first. Hebrews 8, 13. He that saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old, now which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. That's word-for-word translation. The thought-for-thought says this in the New Living Translation, verse 13, Hebrews 8, 13. 
When God speaks of the new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Interesting. The reason I threw that trick, a little twink, obviously he came to fulfill the law. He didn't make the Old Testament not applicable. He fulfilled it. But when it comes to prophecy, the Old Testament prophets brought doom and gloom and judgment. In the New Testament, it's encouragement, it's grace, right? The Old Testament was judgment for sin. He's still going to judge. He knows how to judge, and he's going to, but, he, but it, we're now in a new covenant grace, and therefore in the grace covenant, we should release grace. That's what the charismata is, the gifts of grace, right? And yes, please, mama. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I've always said that the Old Testament is concealed, but it's revealed in the New Testament. Yeah. So it's not obsolete. I'm just reading what I read in New Living Translation, where he, he's saying it's vanishing away. And we know that it's a foreshadow, right? Where the, it's kind of like um, in the first Passover. We know that the Passover lamb, the blood was put on the doorpost. We know that Jesus was the Passover lamb. Hebrew says that, right? So the New Covenant reveals, or the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of what's coming in the Revelation. But we're now in grace, 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 right? So it matters um, if you've ever been, if you're prophesying out of the Old Testament and you're angry and you're judgmental, you may be out of step with where the Holy Spirit is in grace. Now, it doesn't mean we don't bring warning judgments or that we don't bring words of warning if the Lord reveals that, but it's done in a matter that is um, under grace, and that matters because the way we prophesy here, the one of our protocols, when you read module 13 is, it would not be acceptable for someone to stand up and say, you're all going to hell because there's, there is no reason for you to be behaving this way. The way you dance, the way you dress, it's not, it's not graceful. You, one of the, actually, one of the ways you can test a word of prophecy, does it lead you to Christ does it lead you away from Christ? Does it bring guilt or condemnation? Or does it bring you closer to wanting to be in a place of repentance? That's a way to test the word. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing with some of the words here because I want us to get this informational revelation about how do I judge a word that's being prophesied? We're going to look a little bit about the, some of those screens that we walk through. Okay. Um, we know that prophecy, another way of simplifying what does prophecy do, it's encouraging, exhorting, it's we're looking for the treasure. We're looking for the treasure in the individual that is standing before you or being prayed for in front of you. We, we know this, in this analogy, I don't know who gave it, but it's a great one. When you start digging for gold, you ever see the, the guys who go and pan for gold or they're digging in gold mines? They throw a lot of mud and dirt to find the nuggets. Prophecy is you're looking for the gold nugget in that life. That life may be a huge mess right now. They may be broken off the track, and it's real easy to judge them. But God says, no, let's give grace. We just sang a song. He's going to leave the 99 that are okay, and he's going to go find the one that's off track. And then he's going to throw a big party when he finds them. So prophecy, one of the tools that is 
to be coveted by the church. Those who believe are to covet this gift because you are going to be equipped by the Holy Spirit to find the nugget that's hidden in all the dirt. That's what prophecy does. That's why the New Testament church has to have this. And that's why Paul hammered it so hard. And that's why the devil is so messed with it between tongues and prophecy. He has messed with that for years and centuries. Churches are all split over, whole denominations. People, we get cursed that we're a cult because we're after those things. So we know how important it is. If the enemy's messing in that, that larger arena, it's okay. So prophecy can reconcile people to God. And we are supposed to be ministers of reconciliation, correct? In 1 Corinthians, we don't have to turn there tonight, but 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you are the ministers of reconciliation. So one of the ways you reconcile broken people to a holy God is to bridge it with words of encouragement or nuggets of prophecy where you see the gold, you call out the gold, and you don't focus on the negativity of their failures. That's grace. And man, every one of us has been there. It's so easy for us to give ourselves huge grace and somebody else not. So we can take the model from Jesus, the woman caught in adultery, right? What did he do with that one? Woman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. The Old Testament would have stoned her. They tested Jesus on the stoning, and he said, grace, go and sin no more. So prophecy and flowing in the Spirit. Now, as far as stirring up the gifts, some of us may have been in that, maybe you grew up in a, an amazing gift-centered church, and then kind of as time goes on, things happen, life happens, we get caught up in stuff, and then we kind of in those ebbs and flows of the Spirit. So what did, what did Paul tell Timothy? We know that he said, stir up the gifts. In fact, let's turn there for a minute. 1 Corinthians 4. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 4. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, it's amazing that Paul tells Timothy, look at verse 11, teach these things to, and insist everyone learns them. Don't let anyone think less of you uh, because you're young. Be an example to believers, whatever you say and in whatever way you live, live your love and your faith and your purity. That's amazing. Live your faith, your love, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and, and teaching them. And don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. So we know that Timothy's impartation came by the laying on of hands and the prophetic word that was spoken over him. And his spiritual dad says, Timothy, I want you to fan that again. Keep a close watch on how you live, on how you teach, stay true. We also can see that in 2 Timothy, turn a little bit to the right, in 2 Timothy 1.6, he speaks of his legacy faith for his mother and his grandmother in, in 2 Timothy 1.6. Then he goes on and he says in verse 6, he says, This is why I remind you to fan the flame of the spiritual gift I gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, timidity, 
but power, love, and self-discipline, sound mind. So we know that we're supposed to stir the gift. It can come by the laying on. The giftings can come by the laying on of hands. It can also came, come in the fact of just sovereignly. Can someone give me an example in Old Testament where a guy that was really out of touch with God started to prophesy? Give me that story. Saul. King Saul. He was, tried to murder David numerous times, right? Possessed, he was possessed by a demon, right? There were times David had to play the harp to get him under control. And then we see, let, take a look at this one in 2 Samuel. Turn with me to this one. This, is, this will blow your mind. When you get into an, an atmosphere of where prophecy is operating and a people that operate in the gift of prophecy, bad people can prophesy. That's amazing. Or people that are caught up in demonic stuff. Take a look at uh, second, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19. See, you hear the pages turning. I love that. That's good. Pages are good. All right, 1 Samuel 19. And first it starts out by Saul tries to kill David. So he's a murderer. <laughs> then it says... Uh, Michael, his wife, saves his life. David escapes, verse 18. So David escaped, went to Ramah and, with Samuel. And Samuel told him that Saul had done to him. Samuel took David with him to live in Naoth. When the report came and reached Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, he sent the troops to capture him. But when they arrived and they saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too began to prophesy. The same thing happened to them the third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah, arrived at the, at the great well. Where, where are you, Samuel and David? He demanded there in Ramah. Someone told him, God came upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground. That's got to be a prophet. Lay naked on the ground all day long and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. I, I pray, Lord, that that, I, I want prophecy to come, but not like that. I don't know how we would do that here. In, yipes, God. But, all right. I don't want to go there. Um, my point here is he was in the, the council of the prophets, right? There was this group of prophets. Um, King James says they were in the company of the prophets prophesying. So even the soldiers, three different counterparts of soldiers, and Saul himself in the midst of their attempts to commit murder end up in an atmosphere of prophecy and start prophesying. Now, we don't know what they're prophesying. All we know is, so what do we glean from that? When you're with a, first of all, when you're in the presence of prophets, you are in the presence of their gifting, their anointing, just like when you're with someone who has a healing anointing, right? You're in the presence of that. When, when I'm, we travel with Randy Clark, we see tremendous amounts of healing. Why? Because he carries that gifting. That's a special impartation. Itself. When you're with those who operate in the gift or they are in the office of the prophet and you have gathered them, when we see the voice of the prophets or the voice of the apostles, you come under a covering or an anointing that is open to heaven directly. They've paid a price in that arena. They've connected with heaven in that arena. And you can step into it and like, 
Whoa. What is that? So atmospheres matter, and the attitude, the heart, the gifting of the people that are present. That's why, I mean, I hammered it hard here Sunday. I, I, I know. So that was probably the closest thing I've heard to you. Fire and brimstone. And I think that was John told me, right? Did you tell me that? No, it wasn't you, John. Okay. So, uh, it, anyway. It, okay. But that, the, the, the point of that is if we wink at sin, we allow sin to prevail, then you bring an atmosphere that hinders the flow of the Spirit. But if you have a, a, a company of people that are seeking to climb the hill with righteous and pure hearts, and they're in the presence of God, it draws an atmosphere where healing can operate. That's why Paul was radical about people that are immoral in the church. Kick them out of the church. Turn them over to Satan. Don't even have dinner with them. Whoa. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty rugged stuff there in church discipline. It doesn't sound like grace. You need to run that guy out. Wow. But if you really understand what Paul's saying, there is grace. But if people have come here to, to make this hookup city to go find somebody so they can hook up, or they're connecting for whatever reason that drugs are out, guess what? That isn't going to be allowed. Why? Because we have to protect the atmosphere. That's the, that's the reason. It's, it doesn't sound like grace. In, in one voice we say, bring the broken, bring those who need you, let them come. Yes. But if here to come to play games and wink at it, no. There'll be grace and there'll be a season for that, but there'll be a season when you're not going to get away with that. You need to t- go find the door. So that sounds harsh, but it's not. It really is. If you look at the bigger picture of we are after an environment. But even folks that are as messed up as Saul was at that point, demonized, and he gets into the presence of an atmosphere who people are connected with, things happen in such a way that God can move powerfully. That's what we're after. That's why we have to protect this. That's why we have to pursue it. And that's why Paul said, above all things, covet it. Wow, that's a really strong word, covet. It's not allowed in a lot of places, but you can covet this gift. Okay. Let's move on. Um, I'd like you to turn to module 13. We left off on page 13.3 of your, we're in the ministry manual. We're in our eighth week of teaching. Starting next week, Lisa's going to start six weeks of a book of Ephesians. I know it's going to be good. And she's going to tell us at the end about homework that I know all of you will be desiring to do. If, uh, if anybody needs a manual, here they are. I have a couple extras up here. Um, okay. And if you um, have a manual that you borrowed, the one that, if there's nothing on it, these are mine. I'll loan you to them. But the ones that have the little thing that says property of Global River, it, um, tonight if you would return those, please just put them on the back, the notes, and the, we'll be finishing those tonight. And if you forgot it, please bring it in. It, it does cost the church quite a bit of money to, man, to make something like this. And so you can purchase them if you want to for your own notes. But if you borrowed them, we loaned out a bunch and borrowed. And uh, I'd really like you to bring them back so we have them for the next class. All right, we're in guidelines for prophecy. Last week we, we handled that first part in 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the guidelines of prophecy. And then we went and looked at eagerly pursuing, and we gave some definitions by Strong's Concordance of what is a prophet, a prophecy, and the office of the prophet. And then on page 3, 13.3, 
there's that purpose of prophecy to encourage, some scripture there, convict, admonish, correct, inspire, give guidance to. If you look at, I want to turn to Ephesians 3, 5 for a minute. It says, the vision and reveals the prophet. So let's, let me just turn back to Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 5, so Ephesians 3, 5 says, God did not reveal it in previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy prophets, his holy apostles and prophets. So the secret things get revealed when there is a five-fold ministry operating, when the offices are in operation. I told you last week how I yearned to find the office of the prophet. And when it was confirmed, when Bob Hazlitt came here and dropped that mantle on Pastor Michael Thornton, I already knew it in my spirit, man. But I had been in pursuit of it for years. I've been here 19 years. And I'd been in pursuit of it. And there was times when, wow. Now, Chris Volatin and Bill, later in this chapter of our module, say, they believe, it, I don't know how they confirmed this, they said it takes about 14 years in the making of a prophet. And we shared a little bit about uh, Chris Volatin. If you've ever heard his story of how he journeyed and how he messed it up and how he hurt people with his gift. He had the gift to see and he would see stuff, but he didn't always deliver it in love and that hurt people. And then he got corrected one night. People, and he's, and he's now able to take all that and equip in the prophetic school. But the purpose of that is to bring revelation. The secret things come out when the operation to equip the saints in the work of ministry, Ephesians 4.11. And when the five-fold ministry of, op- of the offices is in place, I believe the church is well-balanced. And for centuries, maybe thousands of years, we've lost this whole, ever since the, quote, apostles died, this whole thing is that it's, we've had pastor-led churches. But if the pastoring gift is all that you've got operating, it'll be good. But you're much better off when you have the teacher and the evangelist and the prophet and the pastor and the apostolic who all carry their own anointings in areas who operate. Now, um, I've studied the Bethel thing and I've traveled with Bill personally. I've watched the interaction. I've been with Chris. I remember a story Chris shared where the apostles can be raw. I mean, they're like, we're going to take the mountain. We've got to go plant churches. We're going to conquer cities. We're going to take nations. Well, you need a pastor to come along and say, you need to clean up probably behind that apostle a little bit because it's a little bit of raw. More focused on the, the, where we're going as opposed to maybe everybody ought to come along and love each other. You need the pastors to come and help with that process, right, to heal. You need the prophet that says, that's the, that's the hill that we ought to take it, but let's not take it from the top. Let's go back around and wait till we hear the marching in the balsam trees, and then we'll attack. You need the prophet who tells the apostle, that's the hill we're taking? Well, how should we do it? Let's ask God. And you remember in Hezekiah, when, you, when, when the attacks are coming, they're outnumbered, and they go and they fast before God, and, he, and the prophet stands up and says, send the worshipers out front tomorrow and watch the hand of God. Now, that would not have been my strategy. I would have had him sharpening all the swords and we would have been ready. But no, send the worshipers out front. And God kills them all, right? 180,000 in one swoop. So when the, when the gifts of the operation are in place and you've got the evangelist who's out, we've got to save everybody. 
Let's get him saved. It's Pastor Willie. When he goes to, he comes back, he says, we had two salvations in the jail. We had this one come to Christ. And it was like, the first thing he'll tell me is, we had three salvations this morning. He, he burns in that. I, I, he just burns there. It's where he's gifted. It's where his heart is. is get him saved. Get him written in a book. The pastor says, well, we got him saved. Now, we, we got we to love on him. We got to help him. They got family troubles. We gotta, they're, they're broken. And then you got the teacher. You got to get him the word, man. You got to get him. Doug, he's a word man. You got to get in the word. The teacher. The, so you need, you, and then you got the prophet who says, I know what's wrong with you. Let me give you an encouraging word. And the apostles say, come on, we're going to, we got to take that gifting. We got to take a whole city. We got to go to Ignite. We got to go to a city. We got to take Jacksonville. All right. So what's the point? Ephesians, who was a church in revival, probably the most revival church in the New Testament. You don't find a whole lot of 1 Corinthians beating them up in, in Ephesians. They had the apostolic at work, and they had... Timothy, who became the pastor there, I'm not sure when. Did you ever figure that out? What, what was that? It latter in his life, I know he became. I think. Well, obviously, it must have been after. It was probably just before Paul went to be executed because he wrote those letters at that point. Beside the point. Okay, moving right along. Page three at the bottom. The office of the prophet. We we talked about the spirit of prophecy. Just gave you an example of that. That the gift of prophecy. The person who operates, and we're all to operate there. That's in uh, number two there on thirteen three. Received by faith. So you get it not by working hard at it, but you get it by faith. But then you can practice, and we're going to practice before the end of the night here. One, go ahead. Hi, Rachel. Yes. The individuals? If that's where number two is, the gift of prophecy that when, uh, when he said in the last days, we covered this last week in Acts chapter 2, the last days your sons and daughters will prophesy, right? And he gave specifics about dreaming dreams, seeing visions. Your sons and daughters. So the, the, the rest of usans. If you're not in a, in a particular office, or maybe you're going to be prophesied into an office at some point, or you're in office in training, right? If it takes 14 years, right? So, but all of us are to operate in the gifts. And the gift of prophecy is that gift. That's why I encourage you that every one of this body of believers, if you're a believer, you should be in pursuit of understanding prophecy and operating in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you look at uh, the office of the prophet, this is a person who's gifted with divine direction. And I think I gave the example last week of Mark Taylor who prophesied about um, Trump in the election, 2011. He prophesied of him. My friends in Israel vetted him left and right. Says he's a true prophet. I even have an email of Mark, Mark is a true prophet. How about Kim Clement who prophesied <clears throat> about the planes that would crawl, go over the Long Island Sound and crash into the towers several years before it ever happened. And then he came out with one in 27 that Trump, would, I, which I saw his daughter posted a few months ago, prophesying him in Bethel, prophesying about a Trump who would come into power. Interesting. So those prophets, they foresee, they pull in and show us. But that's the office. Okay, uh, 13 4. I don't think that 
we have to go too much on exhorting and comforting and edifying. I gave you some scriptures there of the examples of that. And what is the Greek for some of that? Directive prophecy in the middle of the page there and imperative uh, prophecy. The directive prophecy kind of calls forth a gift. Um, I see you changing diapers. What is that about you? I see all these kids around you. And you see this person lights up their faces. I love kids. I've always had this desire to serve kids and just light. My wife could sit. I mean, bless her heart. She'll sit on the floor and she goes, she can get right at their level. Right, Mom? She can get right at their level. The grandkids will be there and she's in that game and she's doing all these things. It's, it's a gifting. Many of you mamas have that gifting. Us daddies have something else usually. So there's this directive prophecy. It calls out the gift. An imperative prophecy is the charging or the committing. I charge you, Timothy, to stir up the gift. Remember when we laid hands on you, we spoke that word over you, right? It's almost like that's why I tell folks when you get significant prophetic words or encouragement or a major event, get your favorite Bible and write them down and date them. And then when you get discouraged, you're saying, Lord, I don't, I go back and, whoa, I forgot all about that, God. And what are you doing? You're doing like David did. You're encouraging yourself in the Lord. Directive prophecy helps in the building of that. Imperative prophecy helps in the building of that. I think 13.4 at the bottom, 4.11, he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? For the edifying, <clears throat> building up of the church, increasing the, the work so you can do the work of ministry. So <clears throat> what we're doing right now is I'm encouraging you by the Spirit to operate in prophecy, take risk. So then when you become part of this body of believers that's praying for people, you then start to operate in that gift. You start calling out the gold in that person, and then, wow. What do we have? We have all these prophetic people operating in an atmosphere of prophecy. It's a healthy church, I believe. The enemy has a lot of trouble with that. All right, moving right along. Let's, uh, this whole prophet and prophet's reward, I'm not going to go there. You can look at Matthew 10, 4 and 13, 5, deals with uh, giving gifts or honoring the prophet um, can you give me one scripture where Jesus was not honored and it shut down the entire work of ministry? Nazareth, where would I find that? <laughs> Isn't it in Matthew chapter? Google it, yeah. I think it's in, uh... well, anyway. Third, yeah, it's in a couple of them, actually. Right, but where does it say? It says, he was unable to do many miracles there because they didn't honor him, right? Basically, isn't this, they looked at him as the carpenter's son as opposed to, you know, this is the son of Mary who played in our yard and might have, you know, hit the ball through my window. I remember that, right? And so they looked at him in the flesh as opposed to who he was in the spirit. And so, and that shut it down. It says he was unable to do many miracles there. And then he goes to places like Samaria, where the half-breeds of half-Jews, half-Gentiles, and all the, and he, he prophesies to the woman at the well, and she opens up the door, and he stays there, and many, many believe. So honor is a huge, huge deal. When we have a guest speaker come in, we do our best to really honor, both financially, emotionally, we try to support them. 
We try to find the best places for them. We make a little gift package for them. We want to honor it. Why? Not so we get some reward, but we understand the premise of honor. And so, and he goes on, there's different categories of the prophet, then there's the righteous one, and then there's the next level. So just keep that in the back of your mind. You honor your boss, you honor your spouse, you honor your friends, you honor those in authority. There's a gift that comes, or there's a blessing that flows behind that. Okay. Question. Good question. How do you honor someone you don't trust? You can still honor them, but you have boundaries that you put up like an abuser. You, first of all, we tell folks, if you're in an unsafe condition, you get out. I don't care if it's your spouse or not. You cannot be placed in an unsafe condition. Get out. And you put up a boundary. In uh, reference a book there, uh, Paul, uh, Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On, talks about, isn't that the one to keep? Yeah, Keep Your Love On. It talks about the different levels. There may be times when even one of your children who has a seat at the table, but they are in such rebellion, maybe drugs, alcohol, immorality, you put them outside the family. The seat is still open to them, but right now you're out there with the folks that I'm not associating with because you have not honored the household. You have not honored the the covenant we have in this house. Therefore, you're no longer welcome. It's the guy who walks out and goes to live in the pig pen, the prodigal son. The father's waiting for it. Didn't go find him. But when he came back and he honored his father, then he was welcomed back into the whole family. So you put up boundaries. You look for um, the way to keep your love on without giving them access to harm you again. And that's really difficult with family members who you can't disown your family, but you can, you can cause them to be out there until they get it. In the church... It was the example of the young man living with his um, stepmother. Put him outside the church and let Satan get a hold of him. Maybe God will save his soul. That's strong language. So it's the same principle, though. I don't know if that answers the question. Matthew 15, 37. Okay, thank you. 13, 57. What they knew about him. Yeah. So they went and, and that's really great principle. You may know somebody, you may know something about their lifestyle and behavior. And it prejudges what you're going to say about them. If we operate, it says, know no man by the flesh. Know them by the spirit. If we can look for the gold in the person and call out the gold and encourage them, and not judge them. And I got to tell you, this preach is real nice, but it is a real challenge of your flesh and mind. But that's what we're called to do, right? He says, don't judge anyone. Matthew goes on, don't, don't judge anyone. Because the same way you judge, you'll be judged. Like, yipes. That's why what's going on in the news right now? Good night in the morning. It is a vindictive mess. Question. What I've heard from people who've operated in the office of the prophet is they get to, they're so connected in the seer 
they don't have to necessarily do like we, I might have to do is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do right now? What do you say about this? They've, they've run the communication. It's, maybe this is a good example. My wife can give me one look. She doesn't have to say a word, and I got it. I'm either in big trouble or I'm in good shape, right? That's not a good example. Okay. Well, it works for me. <laughs> what I'm saying is what, they, you, you've been in the presence. You're so connected. You're so um, in, in the soulish spiritual realm. You're so connected in that you still have one foot in heaven. And, now, and so the, the prophet, I believe, can they just, they just seem to know things. And the more familiar they get with, that's the voice of God. I just know it. That's why you want to... Um, you want to really um, train your senses. Hebrews 5.14, it's a little off track, but Hebrews 5.14 says, he beats up the whole congregation. He says, you guys are still milk drinkers. You ought to be on meat. You're not, you know, you still need somebody to teach you. But then he gets to the real point. He says, uh, strong meat is for those who are mature, who have trained or by reason of use have trained their senses to discern good and evil. When we are so equipped as the spiritual meat eaters of the Spirit, we have already trained by all of the reasonable use stuff that's happened, my senses, my natural man reacts. That's God and that's not. And I believe we can get in that place of equipping. That's why when you're, if you're, learning, you're operating in the gift of healing, and you, you get a body part, like words of knowledge come by the body part or the pain. Train yourself says, whoa, I know that's, that's not my pain. Somebody, somebody here has a back problem. There's been so much familiarity with running in the spirit by the way he discerns through you. When, when I'm speaking truth that I, the Lord is like just like giving a, yay, Tom, you're on the right track. My hair stands all up all over me. And I can, that's truth now, right? Did I just say something you like? And I, and I know that the truth, truth, there it is right now. And so, so I, I think the prophet, the office, but I think we can do this in our giftings as well because we come, become more and more familiar with the moves of the Holy Spirit and how he operates on us. Some people, hair stands up on their head. Some people, it's like, woo. Um, one of our ladies on staff, as soon as the Holy Spirit starts to move on her, it goes, and uh, anyway. Okay, moving on. We've got to finish. Come on, Lord. Uh, prophet's reward. We covered that. Turn with me to 13.6. Middle of that page is where Jesus, they judged Jesus by what they knew. Um, Parthena just hit it right there. It says, the people of Nazareth judged Jesus by what they knew about him. He was the son of the carpenter. So we want to put aside what you might know about someone in their brokenness for two reasons. One, Jesus says don't judge. And they may need more gold pulling out and searching and digging to find the gold that will restore them. That's our call. And we pray, Lord, bring the broken, bring the addicted, bring the... It, this place needs to be a hospital. If it's a, if it's a fully functional New Testament church, it needs to be a hospital. It needs to be a place of a worship. It needs to be a temple where worship goes on. 
It needs to be a, a schoolhouse where teaching happens. It needs to be a place where family is encouraged in relationships. Those things have to happen all the time. Tomorrow at House of Mercy, we'll have all of that going on. Broken, teaching, hospital, giving them food, helping them. So, number one is don't judge. Number two is what if, this is, what if the person that you have realized is such a broken vessel comes and gives you a word or gives you a, an input? Now, we teach, make sure you look at the vessel and the lifestyle. But you still might want to judge the word. If the donkey, the jackass, could speak to warn the prophet, the, 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 uh, the king about, not the king, but Balaam, about not moving, then I'm not saying anybody's a jackass. Don't quote me on that. But... The point is, the Lord can use a lot of different methods of voices to speak to us, and if we reject it without testing it, then we, I think we have a, the potential to shut it down. And so, that's what happened then. They knew Jesus by the flesh, and they didn't know him by the Spirit. The bottom of that page, um, be careful not to judge by what you know and your feelings of inferiority or prejudices or race or social status or schooling, but know that according to the light of truth. First Thessalonians 5, um, this one says, don't despise prophecy or scoff. One of the translation, I think New Living says, don't scoff at prophecy. You shut down prophecy and you shut down so much of the giftings that are available to the church. I think we covered um, page 7 in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the gifts, follow love, let it be preeminent. Can you believe God for a gift? I think everyone would be okay with that. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask. James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. So if you'd like to go deeper in the gift of prophecy, ask him. Now, it comes in really, uh, I want to quickly look at this one, but it comes, prophecy can come, or revelations of the secrets of God, or revelations of the, the insights from God come in all different ways. And I think we've covered this when we talked about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. But um, in that person, we receive it through revelation, audible voice, internal voice, a word, sentence fragments, knowing by the Spirit, impressions, dreams, visions, trances, physical manifestations in our bodies through our senses. So pay attention um, to how the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you in the gifting of that operation. Some get pictures, some see words, um, some just know by the Spirit and test it, try it. Um, when you're praying for someone and, and it just comes out of the blue, you know, this picture of someone, man, I just, I just saw you. You had a sword in your hand and you were standing on this mountaintop and, and there's these like, and, and, if, and you watch the response of the individuals. Man, I know. I was just watching 
a movie and I thought of myself as this warrior. And I'm in the midst of a family battle right now. And in fact, this morning I was praying about how I ought to take the sword of the Spirit. And you bring that word and you saw it. And you now confirm it. And what does that do to the individual? It's like, I'm hearing God. Yes, it confirms for me. So pay attention in the go forward here in the next few weeks. How is that being manifested to you? Dreams. We're going to do dream interpretation. We're going to do six weeks of Ephesians, and then we're going to do dream interpretation. Pastor Michael and Amber are going to teach that in November. But dreams are powerful. Um, And I encourage you, as soon as you wake up or you become aware, write it down quickly because it'll slip away. The very details of it. Um, Some of them have been so revelatory about family and direction, church direction. Over and over again, we've had these revelation dreams. When multiple members of my staff start having similar dreams or similar focus of the dreams, whoa, God's up to something, right? Or confirmation of the prophetic word. We shared a couple weeks back, right, of the transformation angel that was standing in the parking lot that one of our seers saw. And then people that came in says, you know, we're in this time of transformation, and we're hearing about butterflies and going, uh, cocoons being transformed into butterflies. And, and then one of your major staff members says, I've decided that I need to go. It's like, holy mac, we're in a major transformation. Oh, God, you knew that. You were preparing us. It, 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 well, one, it brings comfort, and two, it brings confirmation. Okay. How do you measure a prophetic word? Bottom of 13.7. One of the questions you could ask is, would the prophet tell you the same thing in public as he would in private? Interesting thought. Now, some of you might say, I'll put a caveat on that. There may be some things you would like to have in private as opposed to in public, right? Um, and, and that's okay. But if it's a really harsh, damaging word that does not encourage you, I shared with you last week, Early on, in my first few months as a as senior pastor, I had a word that was given to me that I might as well just go hang up everything, forget it. And it came from a very angry individual. And I went to elders and key um, armor bearers, and I said, this is the word I received. I'd like you to judge the word. And to every one of them said, that is not the word of God. That's, that's come out of an, a vengeful, angry heart, and you need to discard that. There's no hope in that word. Okay? And come to find out. Amen. And that individual is in a really, really bad place now. Not because they gave the word. It was just, anyway. Okay. Uh, How do you judge it? Does it bear witness to your spirit? You'll know by the spirit. It's like, yes, I get a witness on that. Or I'm not sure. Or I got checks on that. Does it confirm something the Lord's already been saying to you? What was the attitude of the way it was delivered? Does the word draw you closer to the Lord or does it pull you away? Because God's word won't return void, right? Watch and see. Some of these, um, years ago when, when the prophetic word said, I remember Heidi Baker laid hands on me. Randy individually laid hands on me. He says, um, apostolic call to the nations. I'm like, oh. I can tell you when the trailers were still here, 18 years ago, a prophetic lady came up to me and says, you're going to be teaching pastors. You're a teacher to pastors. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I wrote it, I wrote it down and dated it, and like, wow. 
I remember when I went to life in, uh, in Pennsylvania, there were 1,200 pastors and leaders in the room as I was teaching them breaking free. And I thought, wow, God, I think you fulfilled that word. So it may seem like, wow, that's a real stretch, but write it down. It's a prophetic word. Lord, if that's you, I'd like to do it. If it's not you, I certainly don't want it. That's the, gift, that's the heart attitude towards it. Once we've received Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and it's working in our lives, potentially have available to us all the gifts of the Spirit, and the Spirit divides and distributes those gifts to every man as he chooses. So he takes the nine gifts and breaks them into kind of three categories. I like this. The gifts of inspiration. The inspirational gifts are tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. That should inspire you. When uh, one of our prophetic folks comes up, gives a, a, one of our members of the church comes up and speaks in tongues and then translates it. And there's this confirmation of the word, the drawing, the lyrics, the, the dance. It's like, I think God had a theme this morning. It happens so often and it's like, I love when you do that because it's never, it's not been orchestrated. It's orchestrated by him. So those are inspirational gifts. Revelatory gifts, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. They reveal what is the, what should I do in this situation? The application of knowledge with wisdom and the discerning as to know when, how, the timing of it, and who should do it. Those are the gifts of revelation and then the gifts of power, faith, healing, and miracles. It's Moses there who holds the staff and the Red Sea opens. And that's, that's the power gift. So those are all the, and you can see the need for all three of those aspects of it. New Testament prophecy. If you miss a prophetic word, someone, you give a word and it's like, no, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> don't, don't hang up your hat on that one. Just, okay, well, Lord, what did I do? What did I miss on that one? Keep going. Uh, let things be judged by, you can help. People that operate in prophecy, you could ask them. Because there's a good example. We won't go into the details of this one. On page 13.9, remember when Agabus prophesied about Paul? That uh, he was going to be captured? And Well, guess what? Even Agabus missed some of the specifics in that. And so, how about when the church told Paul, you can't go to Rome. You're going to get, basically, get executed, right? Paul said, I know that. I've already had that revelation. Well, what they were doing is prophetically foretelling what was already known in Paul's heart, which was a confirmation. They were trying to prevent him from that. Paul said, You're, that is my journey. That is my destiny. So, again, they prophetically gave the word, but they missed the essence of what they were trying to stop Paul from his, from his destiny. And Paul said, but by the confirmation in his own, he says, you got the word right, but I'm to go. You got wrong who was going to tie me up and how I was going to be there, right? So if the scriptures identify where prophecy is not 100%, you're okay. Just keep learning. Keep practicing. You can look at that scripture more in detail if you'd like. Um, Some of the guidelines, these are like the, the boundary markers or the guardrails. Number one there, bottom of 13.9. When prophesying, don't take the word past what God is saying. You might want to elaborate on it. Like you, get, you might get one word. Some people get a word of knowledge like green hose. Like, and you want to say, is anybody a gardener in here? 
And I remember we were in Brazil. I think one of the, I don't remember the full story of this, but they gave this someone an injury, and it was a green hose, and it turns out a guy fell over a hose, broken leg, and, and it was a great word of knowledge, and got healed. But don't elaborate. Don't, don't expound on it. Just if that's all you get, that's all you get. Speak what he gets, what you get, and then be quiet. Don't try to frame it. Don't try to interpret it. Don't try to apply your intellect. Well, that must mean this. Um, don't let the prophetic replace your personal hearing from God. Now, that's interesting. I thought prophetic hearing was God. It is. Um, sure. Pastor Michael? Wow. Did you tell Pastor Mike that? Oh, he would have been. You see, that's awesome. I love when there's a confirmation. If you were here that Sunday, and he, there's, a, there's a prophetic man in the Whitefield Church uh, that we're really connected with, Northwood. And that same week, this person out of blue, Mike, had not spoken to him in six months, called and said, there's a university coming. And, uh, and you're going to be involved with it. He goes, that was like the third or fourth confirmation of what had come. And so you can start to then recognize that God is laying a track. Now we need to know, okay, so now I have the Word of God, but what are these two other aspects of the Word of God? It's the strategic plan. How do we accomplish this Word? And when, what's the timing? If you get the timing off, you get the strategy off, you can mess this whole word up. Ask Abraham, right? Hagar is not God's plan. Well, he worked with it, but Sarah was the one, right? So he got the word of the stars and your descendants, but sleeping with Hagar was not it. Yeah, Abraham, okay. Moving on. Um, ask God to confirm it, number six. Through counsel, through your leaders, Bounce a word off them. Write it down. Pray it through. Ask God about it. Um, that's, judge, that's part of the judging of prophecy. Okay, page 10. We're getting there. How do you judge prophecy? And that's, you know, don't despise it, but prove all things. You can tell if it was fulfilled. The reason Mark Taylor is now being touted as a prophet, this, re, this uh, retired fireman, is he prophesied, and they have the writings that he said Trump would be president before he ever decided to run. So the word came true. So some of the other things he's now prophesying, people are starting to take note. Um, is it scriptural? Do the conditions, the directions, the prediction of the prophecy, do the conditions start to line up? It's like, for example, this is not happening yet, but so Postman says, out of the blue, someone says, I'm making a major donation because I believe you're supposed to have a school here. Well, probably Pastor Mike wouldn't have to pray on that a whole lot, right? Um, about, yeah, okay, now, so now the Lord's starting to bring provision. Um, is it scriptural? Public acknowledgement. Beware of the corner prophets. They like to give you things in private. Um, in Paul's day, they were... There was the gift of, there were prophetic words being, there was using as a, 
you know, angels. I have revelation of angels. And what they're doing is they're drawing themselves to individuals as opposed to pointing them to the Lord or breaking and bringing division against the body of Christ. Beware of false prophets. Confirming witness of the Spirit, purity of the vessel. Number seven, um, know those who prophesy in your midst. And I know it sounds like I'm speaking on two angles here, but you want to not shut off an individual that might have something, even though their life may be out of order, they may still have that word because they, if they're a believer, they carry the Spirit. So test it, but be wary of someone whose lifestyle is totally out of order and they're prophesying. Yes. Your heart of compassion for that individual saying, you're going to be a really awesome man of God someday. Do you believe it? Or you're hoping it? It's a good question. We're supposed to call those things that be not as though they were. You could put the scriptural English on it with, it is the heart of God's desire that no man would be lost. Right? And so... You could say, in your, in your compassion and your desire for this person not to be lost, you see how far they've fallen. You say, I know that God has in his heart for you to be a mighty man of God. And it's my desire for you to be a mighty man of God, that God would rekindle that fire again. You, know, you didn't tell a lie, and you spoke, prophet, you spoke in a prophetic way, and it's based on Scripture, but it's also the desire of your heart. I think, so... I think the individual would say they're either going to come under conviction or, you know, tell you to take a hike, but okay. Um, moving on, if you look at um, delivering it in the, in the spirit of the message of the attitude of love, I think we've covered that one. Okay. Look at page 13, 11. You know, I won't go through, I think, the top of page 11, the Lagos word, the rhema word of God. Prophecy versus words of knowledge. We've covered those uh, in the past. So, four characteristics and functions of Christian prophecy. Prophecy initiates the action of God among God's people. It's motivational. Uh, I remember a few weeks, uh, Judge Phyllis was up here, and there was, a, there was, a, it was a desire for the church to operate in purity, if I remember what the word. It was an, an admonition to operate in, in, in the purity of God. Well, that's God's heart. And if you're here and I'm not walking in so much purity right now, you could become convicted, right? That, wow, that's what God wants us to do. Prophecy awakens God's people to hear his word. If the word, if the Holy Spirit, like, just fires you up and it's like, man, I want to operate in gifts, you'll start reading the scriptures. Where are all the gifts happening? What do they do? What are they like? What's it like? How do you operate in them? You'll go to Voice of the Prophets. You'll go to Voice of the Apostles. You'll go to the conference. Terry, Pastor Terry right now is up with a whole group of folks in Richmond, right? Because he's, he's hungering and desiring for more there. 
So prophecy awakens us to hear more. Page 12, prophecy unleashes the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33, 6 there of Psalms says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their host were the breath of his mouth. The speaking of this prophetic word brings an action of power. It's kind of the example there we, I put in there is Ezekiel 37. Can these dry bones live? This morning was really a beautiful uh, time. We were in intercessory prayer. And we had five minutes left, and a lady walked in. She, had a, she obviously had lost her hair, and obviously looked like she was uh, you know, dealing with some kind of cancer treatment. And she looked through the crack of the door in the, in the prayer room, and I happened to be sitting where I don't normally sit, and I looked out there, and, and I said, and you could tell she was like, um, are you Pastor Tom? He said, I am. I have a seat. He goes, I was at another church, and I told them my condition, and they said I needed to come see you. She walked in. We had just spent an hour and 25 minutes in prayer pulling down heaven. I mean, God's timing was just amazing. And I love our team. We put the, I said, would it be all right if I serve you communion right now? You okay with that? I, I didn't know if she was, I didn't know her background or anything. I said, are you a believer? I am, I am, I am. It's okay. Can I serve you communion? Yes. And we all came around her, and then the team just took over encouraging, laying on of hands, words of prophecy, a picture. Um, Evelyn had a picture of, the, of a desire for Mary Esther to just kind of wash her feet. And so Mary Esther gets down and starts washing her feet. You had a picture of her. Um, yeah, and the Bible just coming alive in her as she read it, like coming off the page alive. And uh, so I met with her afterwards, and man, she was so encouraged. And uh, that's, that is the... That's the body in action. That's the body in motion where, Lord, we just want to operate in this. And so, and, and we're believing that she is totally healed and well in Jesus' name. So, I think we've hammered that one. The purpose of prophecy over and over again. You can look at the bottom there and some scriptures that go with it, 13, 12. The levels of prophecy, we've also covered that. The office, the gift, I've kind of circled this several times. This is from Bill Johnson and Randy Clark's insight. Uh, Bill Johnson and Chris Volatins on the page of 13. Uh, insights, Here Come the Prophets. It's a book written, Insights from Bill Johnson and Chris Volatin on the basic training, which is the manual I showed you last week. We covered this last year, basic trainings in, of prophetic ministry by Chris Volatin. There's a teaching series on it. I think there's 12 or so we did those. And the handouts that are back there, we're not going to, I just made copies of them for you. It has three, three areas of it. It was the basic training in prophecy, judging and receiving uh, prophetic words, and prophetic etiquette. Uh, just encourage you to pick those up. They're not the best of our copy machine, but uh, pick those up, and if you'd like some insights and revelation of that, it'd be good. Um, but Chris and, them, and Bill pulled out a lot of the same things that we're reiterating here. The page 14 where it says it takes a minimum of 14 years to make a profit. God may give you a profit to help you raise. Isn't that interesting? We've covered this before, but in, remember in Acts 21 where it says, Philip the evangelist, whose four daughters operated in the gift of prophecy. Remember that one? Right? And so 
if you do a back study on that one, you'll find out this is not Philip the apostle. This is not Philip the disciple. This is Philip, the guy who worked in House of Mercy. He was one of those who was chosen, along with Stephen, to distribute to the widows so that the apostles could spend their time in the Word. And so he's the volunteer at House of Mercy. But when the church gets scattered under persecution, he's the same Philip that goes to Samaria who preaches the gospel and demons are cast out and the sick are healed and the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 8. They can't even believe it that, wait a minute, the Samaritans, that can't be. And they send the big guns there, right? Peter and John go there and the, it says, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them or fallen on them yet. And it's like, what? That's the same Philip. Years and years, as they think there's about maybe a couple of years per chapter. In Acts chapter 21, it's now Philip, the same one who was the House of Mercy volunteer, is now in the office of the evangelist who was tested on the mission field in Samaria, who's now married and raised four daughters who operate in the gift of prophecy. So he may give us, I don't know what that means, Lord, but that the Lord may give us an opportunity to raise up those in their gifting. So we know that Philip was in an office and he was given even an opportunity to raise up his own children in the giftings. And so... There's a lot in that one, and it's encouraging. But So basically, find out who's anointed in certain giftings and hang with them. <laughs> it's like when I was here, and I was like, I've told you my story. I said, Lord, I don't think I have any power. I don't have any, I'm not casting any demons. I'm not seeing a whole lot of people healed. I need to do something. Go on a mission trip. Go outside your comfort zone, and you know the rest of the story. And so... Find someone and hang with them. Well, I thought Deanne's testimony this Sunday was awesome. Her first treasure hunt at the tent, right? First of all, you pull that string back. The only reason she's here, I believe, is there were two prophetic words while she lived in West Virginia from two independent people that said, you need to go to Wilmington Global River Church. Now, that's in West Virginia. That's, that's pretty... Two different states. Two different states. Now, that might, and, and she's here. She followed the word and moved to Wilmington, right? Family's still in West Virginia, right? Yeah, and you, we were at the conference last year, and you mentioned you, you prophesied. Right. Right. At the hotel. Yeah. Okay, so... She leaves her country to go and follow the prophetic word. So she's here. Then she says, well, I can get one of those Ignite shirts, and I can go on a treasure hunt. What's a treasure hunt? And it goes on a treasure hunt, knocks on doors, and Kim and Danny are two people she meets out in the streets. One's homeless, just got out of jail, got arrested for being in the woods, 45 days in jail. And Danny, who's living in a halfway house or a homeless health shelter, they both come to the tent and they get blasted and blessed at the tent because someone was willing to take a risk and follow the prophetic words. I mean, so that, that ought to be an encouragement to us. That, I mean, that's just, 
there's, there's sacrifice, there's risk, there's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing about it, but there's also so many blessings. Golly, so many blessings. Is there risk? Yeah, there's risk. It's, faith is spelled R-A-S-K, that's what Bill says. Okay, um, receive the prophetic ministry. This is Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, they, they, um, Bill and Chris. H there, receive the prophet, the prophet's reward. This is out of their book, which is just confirmation of a lot of what we see. Okay, we're going to land this thing. Um, in, I want to get to, on prophetic guidelines. So look at the last page, and then we're going to do an activation, and then we'll, we'll round it up. First of all, prepare your heart. This is page 17. Prepare your heart as a vessel, a clean vessel, which means, you know, your lifestyle. Ask God to help you with your lifestyle. If there's areas of your life that um, you're struggling in, don't get condemned. Get convicted and move on. We've all got issues we're working on. I don't care who we are. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the gifting. Submit to a group or ministry leadership. Find a house that you're, you, can, you can operate in. Don't give more than God gives you. If you get a word, just don't go further. Make sure you keep it on encouragement. I'm giving you the prophetic guidelines of our house. It has to be encouraging and comforting and strengthening. If you get a word for a child, don't give that to the child by themselves. If the parent is present or the guardian is present, bring them over and ask, would it be all right if I gave this word to your child? Um, so the parent's there to judge it because... Um, Judge it and test the prophecy. Journal it. Write it down. Look at it. <clears throat> Testing it. Be humble and submitted. When you're giving the word, please don't use the King James. The thousand of these and, and uh, make sure that it builds up the individual that you're giving it to. Now, if you get a warning word or a concern, um, Bring it to one of the pastors or leaders, your ministry leader, you're in children's ministry or you're in uh, one of our ministries and you get a concern or a check or a, uh, and you're not sure what to do with it, <clears throat> bring it to the leader. Don't go sideways and bring gossip. That's not allowed. But concerns and bad news can go up. It shouldn't go down and it shouldn't go sideways. The leaders ought to be mature enough to be able to weigh this and figure out what's the best choice and direction, okay? All right, I want to do a, an activation. Did you pick up the one back there that says prophetic insights? Did you all get that? Okay, let me grab that. Well, what I'd like you to do is... Nobody got this? Darn it. How many, how many need it? <clears throat> all right. Passed out. Um, what's your? Okay, got it. Got it. All right. Um, what I'd like to do is we're going to do an activation. This is a quick exercise. I'm going to ask you to go find someone that you least know. 
So let's like find somebody that you're least familiar with. Why don't we do that right now? Go find somebody that you don't know very much about. Okay, go sit with them if you could. I'm going to move you around so that everybody has one partner that they aren't real familiar with. We have the, an even number of matching ups. Okay. Judy, do you have someone? Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Jonathan, you got somebody? All right. Uh, no, you can share. That's, that's fine. Um, Okay, hurry up, Mama. Grab some, you and Judy, get together, Mama. All right, there you go. I know you know each other. Um, what I'd like you to, Jonathan, why don't you do me? Or Yeah, that'd be good. I know you know me, but. Um, okay, go ahead, right there, that'd be good. Here's what I'd like you to do. Um, <clears throat> these are just suggestions, but if you were to meet this person, either they came up for prayer or... Um, you're in Walmart, and it's like, oh, Lord, you just feel like I'm supposed to do something. You come on to a, 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 you just intersect with this person. You ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, do you have something you'd like me to share? Now, you, the Holy Spirit could activate it on you first that you're already drawn to this person, and you don't know what you're going to say, but you know you're supposed to do something. So in the midst of that, or... Someone comes up for prayer, it's deliberate, that you can tell they're distressed. It's the example of this morning. I didn't know this woman from Adam. She's obviously come searching, and there needs to be fresh bread in the house. You are equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost. You're, the, you're God's man or woman on the assignment for this assignment, entrusted to you. Ask the Holy Spirit, can you give me something that you know about this person that I can now encourage and comfort exhort them with. These are just some examples that have, come, that have happened with me. Um, you look at the person and, and it's like, man, you, 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 you remind me of a David, you know? Um, or you remind me of this lion. Or you're so peaceful like a dove. It's like, I just see like you're... And, so you, you get a picture or a revelation of a Bible character or an animal or an event. Um, you know, I see you as a serpent. No, 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 that's not encouraging. If you see that part, you know, just like, wait. Um, now, that, that could be that serpent that you might be seeing, maybe they're under attack of witchcraft. So you've got an insight, but you haven't put all the pictures of it together, right? Um, then you get the sense of you seem to be going. You're, you're looking at their countenance. You're looking at certain. You seem to be going through something, and ask the Lord. And then He may give you more. I see a desert. I see a river. I see a mountaintop. I see a dark valley. Um, now remember, you're delivering this word, looking for gold, 
not to bring negativity. So you may be getting pictures and you're trying to sort through the landscape of what you're seeing or perceiving and you're putting language to it and you're looking for response in the individual. You can go slow. It doesn't have to be fast. And what you're doing, and when they start, all of a sudden it's like you start to see a tear. <laughs> I mean, go through such a hard time. And like, okay, I'm hearing it. Well, I know now that I saw this rainbow. God says he's got a promise for you. Really? And what you're doing is you're, it's so, it's so awesome to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who likes to share the secrets, who is allowing you to be the surgeon to heal the heart. So all we have to do is learn to pay attention to that inner Holy Spirit working and asking for that. And then, you know, well, I just saw you like dancing and dancing. And, and so what I'd like you to do at this point is pray for a few minutes and then with the person you're with, share insights that you have. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you right now, Holy Spirit. Lord, we're in pursuit of more of the giftings. We want to be accurate. We thank you that we're going to covet the gift of prophecy. As a house, we want to be accurate. We want to be loving. We want to be honoring of God. And we want to be truthful to the word. So I just now ask you, Lord, to activate. We had the gift of faith activated a few weeks ago. Now I'm asking you, Lord, to activate this gift of prophecy. In the name of Jesus. Okay, and just take and keep your eyes closed for a minute and ask the Lord to give you something for the person who's next to you. Okay, in the next few minutes, take and share that. One, or each person go first. What, did, what do you see about the person? Go ahead and share it. Just share it privately. Go ahead. Nope, just tell them.
Okay, if you haven't switched, go ahead and switch to the other person. All right. Okay, let me, uh, let me kind of bring this to a close. If you want to finish after this, you can. I want you to see that um, I purposefully didn't give you a whole lot of time to prepare, and I didn't prep you for it. And it's uncomfortable, right? At first, you don't really know the person. But it also, when you realize the least you know about the person and they start to give you the witness of you're getting some things that are really encouraging me, then you are a partner with God who knows everything, and I don't, because if you know someone and you start telling them things you already know about them, it's, it's okay, it's encouraging, but it's not as insightful with the Holy Spirit's operation. So I want you to just think about that, go forward, and maybe uh, this week purposefully look for opportunities, somebody at work, somebody in the church, somebody tomorrow at House of Mercy, just like go there. Just ask the Holy Spirit, because you know everything. And if I lack wisdom, I can ask you, liberally. So, Holy Spirit, you know everything about this person. Do you have something you'd like me to share right now about them? And then go do it. And as you start to operate in this as a mode of operation, you'll start to become the seers that start to operate in the gift connected to the source of the power. And that's where we can all do this. He, He wouldn't have told us and told us to do it if we can't do it. So... I want to ask um, Lisa if she'll tell us about the homework, and then you'll, we'll get out of here. So I just wanted to share, um, I'm teaching because Abner Suarez gave a prophetic word two years ago, and it resonated in my spirit, and I said, I want to teach more. And that's, that's what's brought me in this journey of teaching, because he taught about the fivefold gifts, and I, it just quickened in my spirit, I want to teach. So uh, we'll start with Ephesians 1 next week. And so if you'll read through Ephesians 1, and if you're willing to mark in your Bible, mark all the references to in him or in Christ. In him or in Christ. And if you have time, make a list of the riches you find in Christ. So that's number one. Secondly, if you have time, the background of Paul's relationship and his time, uh, a relationship with the Ephesians, his time in Ephesus, it was about two years. That's Acts 19 and 20. Okay, so Acts 19 and 20, 20, that's your background. Read Ephesians 1 and mark in him and in Christ. That's our identity. We're going to look at our identity, our riches. 
You can make a list of what you find. What, are, what is your identity in Christ? That would be the I am. In him, I am this. In him, in Christ, I am that. And so that's what we'll be covering next week as well as that lovely prayer that Paul prays. All right. Thank you for being here. Those who have been invested here for eight weeks. Let's stand on our feet and we'll just, Lord, I just pray a supernatural rest and peace over your people tonight. Every battle place they've been in, God, I thank you that you are able to pick all that up and let the burden be rolled on. You just turn that burden over to God. Lord, we thank you for the, the grace and the mercy, how you've loved us, that you would leave the 99, you'd climb the mountain, you'd kick down a wall, and you would find us. And Lord, I thank you. We want to be found in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. All right, guys. Thank you.